Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. Time to talk immigration, migration, refugees, and our country, and how Canadians very much hope to step up when people across the globe are in crisis. Um, the war in Ukraine, um, devastating floods in Pakistan. Um, look anywhere in the world where there's been a natural disaster, an earthquake a tsunami. Uh, wherever there is need, Canadians hope to be present and and able to chip in and help or open our doors to those who need a place to live. And with the climate change emergency we are experiencing here, I mean, it's in the news 24-7, whether it be monumental floods, um, atmospheric rivers, heat domes, wildfires. I mean, count the ways that particularly our province has been impacted, but across the country. And still, we are a destination for those who are fleeing places that are uninhabitable. The migration associated with climate change is very real. And there's a great article uh, at the Global News website uh, that you can read about this and quoted within this Story is an immigration and refugee lawyer who joins us on the line now. Maureen Silkoff is with us. Thank you for taking some time out with me, Maureen, for doing this. Thank you so much for inviting me to the show. It's a very complex story um, that I I just found your take on what we are facing uh, as a race, really, as a global population and how migration is going to shift and change perhaps like never before. Um, with cl- the climate emergency rendering some places uninhabitable, what should Canadians be, or are we at all prepared for what is to come in in the decades that we face with climate change? Well, I think this is you know a very real and pressing problem that we have before us because, as you said, this is a, a climate emergency. We know that climate change leads to environmental disasters and environmental disasters lead to the displacement of people. And in this case, many, many people, the the World Bank has recently projected that six regions of the world will generate uh, 216 million more climate migrants by 2050. So we know that, um, you know, the climate disasters are happening in certain areas of the world. Um, People sometimes are displaced within their home countries, but oftentimes they have to leave not only that country, but the entire region. And I think that's where Canada comes in, because in many ways, Canada is, in fact, uniquely placed to lead the way on climate migration, given our capacity, our immigration needs, um, plus our commitments both on the environmental front and on the human rights front. And when you're speaking to what Canada can bring to the table, obviously we have the physical land space for more uh, occupants of our country, for more people to call this country their own. Obviously, there are other pieces of this uh, housing issues that are are very prevalent right now in our current state with the number of of 
uh, migrants moving here and want and in search of a better life, and and also our healthcare structure and how you know overcrowding is already a problem and swinging the doors open to our country uh, can be difficult when those fundamental pieces aren't in place. In your line of work as an immigration and refugee lawyer, I'm sure you take on those subjects by people who would challenge whether or not Canada is prepared or can be a place, a destination for those who need to find a better life. Um, how, do you, how do you qualify all of those pieces of the puzzle in this conversation? Well, that, that's right. They are, they, there are many pieces of the puzzle that need to fit together to make this a, a successful program. Uh, the, the immigration minister has already uh, committed to bold uh, numbers uh, over three years, so approximately 500,000 people per year for three years. Uh, we know yeah. that that's supported by, you know, the need for, for increased labor in Canada. So that's a commitment that's already there, and that could certainly in- incorporate climate migration measures. And so I think issues that you mentioned, such as housing, um, health care, et cetera, uh, are already uh, top of mind. And, you know, it's clear that the, the federal government has to work with the provinces um, and the municipalities have to be involved as well to, to ensure that the measures work, to ensure that there are uh, features of the healthcare system, of housing that are devoted specifically to increased numbers of people. So um, there is work to do on that front, uh, but I think we can get there with concerted efforts. Uh, to organize things in an appropriate manner. We are with Maureen Silkoff, immigration and refugee lawyer. I, I just wanted to get that difficult piece out of the way because at the root of what what you're bringing to the table on this, you know, how Canada really, we are disproportionately responsible for the adverse effects of climate change and and have a responsibility to to help those who are, are suffering in, in uninhabitable places and spaces. Like that's part of this that is, it's, it's so different. And please feel free to correct me um, where I fall down on this subject. But as the daughter of an immigrant, I, I know why my family moved to Canada, you know, post-war, that this was the, the new hope, the new land. And, and I think that sort of migration people are used to. How different... And those, the number you threw out at the, at the beginning by 2050, uh, what, or did you say, yeah, it was 2050, we'd have how many climate change-related migrants ne- displaced? 260 million. So, yes, that's a huge number. But, you know, just to speak to your point, I think Canada is in a, a very particular situation as compared to other countries or even other regions of the world because of our geographical location, right? So we, we will never see a large number of people simply arriving here. Um, we know that. Um, and as well, there are immigration laws and policy that govern entry to Canada. So both in terms of selecting people from ab- abroad or from when people arrive here and seeing what kind of immigration status uh, people could be given. So I think there's, there's necessarily built-in measures. Um, and also, you know, Canada receives... Um, very few numbers uh, of displaced people compared to other 
areas uh, of the world. So I think, you know, we have to we have to keep in mind that traditionally the numbers have been fairly low compared to to other areas and uh, it'll continue to do so. But at the same time, Canada can lead the way in terms of its laws and policies and, you know, showing the world what can be done in this climate crisis. And, you know, so, for example, you know, you mentioned historically, uh, you know, how immigrants arrive and, you know, what might be different now. Uh, the, you know, the situation comes to mind is for people who have recently arrived from Ukraine, right? So mm-hmm. people have uh, arrived because they're fleeing the war, they're free, fleeing a humanitarian crisis. And we refer to them as Ukrainian refugees. But, you know, technically, most of those people don't fit the legal definition of a refugee that we have in Canada, which is governed by United Nations High Commissioner on Refugees. And there's a certain international definition that was developed um, in, in post-World uh, War II years. Um, and that definition doesn't suit everybody who's coming. So people who came from Ukraine came um, under relaxed criteria, uh, giving people right. visas in easier circumstances, um, students um, you know, were able to come and people were able to extend and get some settlement services here. So there's creative ways that the government um, has at its disposal even if people don't, uh, you know, necessarily meet um, certain specific criteria of a definition of refugee, because we know that a refugee is uh, someone who fears persecution and there's specific criteria. It has to be for political reasons, reasons of religion, reasons of race, et cetera. There's a specific definition and climate migrants may not necessarily meet that. The same as people uh, fleeing Ukraine um, may not necessarily meet that definition, but there's public policy measures that the Minister of Immigration has at his disposal to use in these circumstances. So, you know, we have to look to the future and, and uh, you know, determine what measures make sense given what's happening in a global sense at this moment. We're with Maureen Silkoff, immigration and refugee lawyer. I think it's so fascinating how you um, are educating us on on the different definitions and the laws associated and rules around each of those. What constitutes a refugee? What constitutes an immigrant? And how more? How much more red tape might there be to to immigrate somewhere rather than ask for asylum, which I'm assuming is a proper term for somebody who is looking for refugee status. Is that fairly accurate? Exactly. So we have immigration programs. People could come here um, because of a, you know, based on a point system, because of their work history and their age and language skills, et cetera. That's a traditional immigration pathway. We have people coming as temporary workers to fill gaps in the labor market uh, as well. And in part, that's determined by uh, the province's needs. Um, and we have, you know, actual refugees based on, for example, um, you know, religion or political matters. But then we have these humanitarian um, programs. Um, and uh, that was the Ukrainian example. And now we need a program specifically geared um, towards climate migration. And that could take several forms. But I think what's crucial here is Canada has to take a proactive rep- uh, approach Uh, We've seen specific public policy measures in the past. I think most recently we saw a public policy for um, the earthquakes in uh, Turkey and Syria, where the minister put forward a policy, right? So people who had applications to come to Canada that were already in progress, those were expedited. People who were here on temporary status, it was easier for people to renew their status. 
But, you know, and there's been other such programs over the years, but those have been reactive. And really what we need at this moment is to take um, uh, a proactive approach so that there's um, policies in place that, uh, you know, can be applied uh, in various situations and are not just event specific because we know that climate climate migration is on the rise. And, And so we really have to meet the moment. And I think Canada is well placed to do that. Jody Vanson for Mike Smith, and we're continuing our conversation with Maureen Silkoff, an immigration and refugee lawyer, uh, talking about climate migration and how Canada needs to be prepared for those who want to move here uh, when they're leaving their homelands that might be rendered uninhabitable due to climate change. And before the break, Maureen, you were sort of laying out the groundwork of what needs to change or what the hope is that will change with regard to our rules, immigration and and, um, refugee rules in our country to accommodate climate emergency uh, migration. What are some of the things that you would hope to see change urgently? So I think we have to uh, turn our minds to uh, two different routes for climate migration. One is a way that Canada can select people from outside of the country and have specific policies about that. And the other is what to do for people who are already in Canada and uh, a climate emergency develops. And so um, there could be programs for both. So in terms of selecting people outside of Canada, uh, Canada has the ability to uh, develop uh, a category of people who are similar to refugees, um, but aren't bound by the strict uh, definition of a refugee. So Canada could create a class uh, of people under a humanitarian protected uh, person class for climate migrants, uh, for people who have been seriously and personally affected by uh, climate-induced risk. And uh, that could be done. Um, That could be created, uh, you know, within existing uh, laws or laws could be developed for that. And that would Um, you know, allow people to be selected from abroad. And I think parallel to that, Canada could, um, you know, develop different programs. So we already have uh, a process for humanitarian and compassionate applications from within Canada. So Canada could could develop guidelines to include uh, climate um, emergency situations within that. Because right now it's used for different types of hardship situations. Uh, But there's nothing specific to, uh, to climate emergencies and, and climate risk. So the guidelines for humanitarian programs could be um, broadened. And then, you know, we have, um, as I had mentioned, public policy classes for specific countries kind of reacting to different situations. But there could also be broader categories of uh, public policies that, you know, people don't have to wait for an emergency in a particular country. They can simply apply under that. So I think there's lots of tools in the toolbox. Uh, it's just a matter of sitting down and uh, thinking through what will make sense for the next uh, several decades. And, uh, you know, something has to, you know, be accessible to people as well. So, you know, we want to make sure that we, we learn lessons right from past programs, for example, um, the Afghan situation comes to mind where there were programs put in place for, um, for example, interpreters who worked with the Canadian military and other people who worked with the Canadian embassy. And they applied uh, back in August or September 2021 after the fall of uh, the Afghan government. But a good number of those 
uh, never heard back from the government and they're still languishing in dire circumstances in Afghanistan. And those are people who, you know, made Canadian, uh, the Canadian government's work um, happen in Afghanistan. So you know, we yeah. have to look to lessons learned and make sure that, you know, we, we move forward in a way that people can access the programs. The programs are understandable. Um, there, there's transparency. And, you know, I think if we pay careful attention uh, to what's possible, we can come up with some good solutions. I think you've laid the groundwork well, Maureen. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.